One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He has 12 strikeouts. He has a one nothing lead. But with runners at the corners... He has to face arguably the best hitter in the league this year. Broken back, Gordon's got it. Jose, terrific. Eight shutout innings, a dozen strikeouts, and he works out of trouble and gets his biggest outs here in the eight. <laughs> so this is this is going to be. Um... A, a little bit of a, uh, a somber episode to start with. Uh, as everybody knows, Jose Fernandez, the talented right-handed pitcher for the Miami Marlins, died tragically uh, early in the morning on Sunday. Uh, so Armando and I are going to spend a large portion of this show um, just discussing him, the, the pitcher, what could have been the you know a, a phenomenal player. So uh, Armando, how are you? Uh, it's going to be tough to get through this, dude. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it because it's good to talk about the kid. And, you know, with, with what we saw today between the Mets and the Marlins, that's something you don't see every day and you might not ever see again. It's just going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, watching that pregame ceremony was, it was extremely difficult. I uh, yeah, I, I think I made about 12 seconds before I started crying. Uh, I mean, you could just see that there was so much love for his teammates and then the, the, the larger fraternity of just baseball players. I mean, I know the Mets and the Marlins play each other a lot. So these guys have obviously faced Jose Fernandez quite a bit and they know the kind of competitor and player he was, but I'd also assume that, you know, they're coming from a spot of great respect, especially a player like Johannes Cespedes also having come over from Cuba, granted a little bit differently when he was an older player and actually a major league ready player, uh, unlike Fernandez. Uh, he seemed to be really, really distraught on the field. So that was, you know, it was extremely tough to watch. But what did you, uh, what did you make of the ceremony? And I guess also D Gordon's opening of the game with that dramatic home run. Well, first off, I want to tip my hat to your Mets. It was really classy on their part. Um, I think what the Marlins are doing is phenomenal. I think the way they're really, you know, uh, honoring him is great. The way, uh, all the players are, are are really uniting about it, and and they all wore his number, his name today. I thought that was a phenomenal touch. Uh, the last time anybody's ever wearing the number sixteen for the Marlins is today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, without question. Um, I don't know, dude. I don't know where to really start. I, I think we should probably just start with this story. I mean, tonight was was crazy. It was really uh, an outpour of emotion from everybody. You saw it on the Marlins' face. You saw it. I mean, we've heard it in interviews, Don Mattingly, we've heard it, you know, D. Gordon. And then and then D. Gordon, you know, one of his closest friends to to just go deep in the opening at bat, cry the whole way around the bases. Uh, dude, it's it's some shit that like you can't I don't know, man. It's it's not ever gonna happen again. This is the way he's being honored, the way he's being respected, the way he's being, you know, the tribute to him, everything is it it's it's a credit to the young man. It's incredibly powerful, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I just can't think of a player uh, in my lifetime, in you know, in, in almost any sport, who was who, who had transcended this quickly. I mean, Jose Fernandez. If you look into the pitcher, he he is he has the best start to his career of any pitcher before age twenty three ever. Better than better than Pedro. Better than Gooden. Better than, you know, the only guy apparently who had just like, you know, a better ERA plus than him was Herb Score, who was a Cleveland Indians pitcher from the 50s, whose prime was cut short. But Fernandez was, you know, 
if you're looking at the pitchers we have now, even a guy like Kershaw when he was young, he's putting up better numbers than him. I mean, 38 and 17 at the age of 24, he was leading the, the National League in every major pitching category. I mean, I, I, I just – I was dreading the Mets having to face him tonight in a – pennant race situation that was the way it was supposed to be I mean he was the re- he was he was moved his start from yesterday to today and uh that that you know the fact that he was he was gonna probably crush the Mets I probably would have spent nine innings you know cursing cursing his cursing his name knowing how good he was and instead you know the fact that he wasn't out there beating the Mets today is the most tragic and depressing thing I I could possibly think of yeah, uh, you know, like you said, incredibly talented kid, off to a phenomenally hot start to his career. Uh, you know, for for any pitcher in Major League history, over 250 innings at home, he had the best ERA. So that tells you something. There's been a lot of Major League pitchers. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. But we should probably tell his story, give a little background. Um, so I'll, I'll let you to it, man. Yeah. So Jose Fernandez, uh, born in Cuba. Uh, for a long time, you know, wanted to get to the U.S. to play. As a teenager, he tried to come three times. The, one of those times, spent a year in a Cuban prison. Finally, on the trip that he was going to make it over, he's on a raft between Cuba and Mexico. A long trip where you're trying to evade the Cuban Coast Guard who are shooting at you. Someone on his raft falls overboard. Uh, he jumps in to, to, to you know save the person who falls overboard without even noticing that uh, once he got her back onto a boat, that it was his own mother. Uh, finally gets to the United States, goes to high school in the Tampa area, pitches extremely well, which pitches his high school to two straight Florida State championships, is taken with the 14th pick of the first round of the 2010 draft, 2011 draft, uh, gets through the gets through the Marlins system by the, by 2013, wins the 2013 Rookie of the Year. Pitches to an ERA of just under two point of uh, just under two point two five as a rookie, um, has an incredible year. Goes down into his second season with uh, an ulnar collateral ligament tear. You know the dreaded pitcher that that the dreaded injury that no pitcher wants costs him a year with Tommy John. Comes back in the middle of twenty fifteen, and the Marlins are incredibly relieved to see him not skip a beat. The rest of the National League East, incredibly, uh, you know, at that point in time upset to see him not skip a beat, but the reality is, you know, you always want to see pitchers who are that good because they're special. And the way in which he did it also, just a smile on his face at all times was, uh, he celebrated the game. He was a joy to the game. It, it was, uh, it, it's it, everything about it is tough to see. But then in 2014, um, or 2015, sorry, the Florida Marlins, you took advantage of the thawed relations between the United States and Cuba to get the most important, the person he called the most important person in his life uh, from Cuba to the U.S., which is his grandmother, and surprised her, surprised him with her um, being brought to a game where she was given a special dispensation of visa and was then, you know, living with her, lived with his family for the rest of for the rest of his life. Just sad that we can now say that. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, the worst part also. I mean, you touched on it, dude. It's it's the way he did it, you know, always smiling. It was him as a person that's so hard, you know. Um, he, uh, what he did in the community, he was a big part of that Miami community, the Latin community, the Cubans um, community. What he did there is um, indescribable, to be quite honest, you know. And, and, and for me, uh, it's really hard to see a young man with so much potential, um, so much enthusiasm for life and really just so much kindness go. Um, it's just not supposed to be that way, man. And like you said, you know, he really battled to get to this country, to have an opportunity to succeed, to have the American dream. That was all he ever wanted. You know, that's all a lot of those players that come from Cuba, that come from outside, a lot of people that migrate to this country. It's what makes it so beautiful. You know, as a son of two immigrants that may not have come in here in the most legal of ways, uh, it, it, I can, this resonates with me so much. And I know I didn't come up, my parents didn't come on a boat and then my mom didn't almost drown and it wasn't anything as, as drastic as his story, but I can so relate to this and it's so hard, you know, and seeing him leave a pregnant, you know, 
girlfriend of five months is the yes. hardest, the yeah. hardest pill to swallow, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, so when in, in the first inning of tonight's game with the Mets, uh, the first at bat, D. Gordon stepped in uh, to the plate as the Marlins leadoff hitter. D. Gordon's left-handed hitter, who has no power. Jose Fernandez as a pitcher had more power than D. Gordon, but uh, Gordon stepped in and mimicked Jose Fernandez's exact batting stance for the first pitch he took. Then he stepped back across to the left side, and D. Gordon also, who has, hits a, a home run once every 269 at-bats, absolutely unloads on a ball, Bartolo Colon, and uh, rounding the bases just breaks down, breaks down and cries. I mean, it, it just says everything when the man when, as to how much he meant to his teammates when you saw the reactions and the, and the outpouring of just sorrow. Towards towards him and his uh, his passing, uh, I, I I don't think this is a player that baseball will soon forget, and I hope it's a player that baseball never forgets. No, absolutely not, man. And I, I want to ask you, man, before we get into anything else, do you have a memory of Jose Fernandez either on the field or off that really stands out to you? Yeah, earlier this season, actually, because uh, the last time that he faced the Mets, he didn't pitch that incredibly well. But I was lucky enough to get him to see to get him to see him pitch quite a bit because of the fact he pitched in our division um, earlier this season on a Sunday afternoon. Jose Fernandez and Matt Harvey going seven innings uh, of you know each of them went seven innings in this game, one nothing pitchers duel. But Jose Fernandez gets uh, Wilmer Flores uh, swinging with just one of the nastiest sliders you'll ever see for his uh, first final out, and you can just see him going nuts on the mound, celebrating as if, you know, he just recorded the final out in the seventh game of the World Series. And, you know, that's that's how he was. That, that's that's everything he was on the mound with a pitcher. Pure, unrestrained joy. Just, you know, the only thing he wanted to do was play baseball. And he was, it's just the joy with which he did that. It's, like I said, it's just something I hope baseball never forgets. Yeah, man. I mean, for me, he came to the ravine came to Chavez Ravine um, earlier this year, <clears throat> and he blanked the Dodgers. He just he, he whooped us. Um, and uh, it was firework night. So, you know, the Dodgers let all the fans or let the fans onto the field. They get to throw out a towel and, and watch the fireworks show. It's really nice. Um, Jose Fernandez, everybody, both, both, both dugouts cleared. They went into the clubhouse, handled their business. Um, and Jose Fernandez pulled up a chair. And sat down the first baseline, away from all the fans. Yeah, but he pulled up a chair and enjoyed the fireworks show. Yeah. He was just a big kid, man. Yeah, he was. I mean, there's another great one where he he hit a home run against the Braves, rounding bases. He, uh, you know, he seemed to really irritate them with a bad flip. The, the, they kind of cleared out to meet him, and the only thing that he said to him was like, "I'm not trying to show you guys up. I'm just having fun," or something along those lines. I mean. Not everything had to be so serious, but... We need to have more fun, man. We need to have more fun. All right. This is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, was, that wasn't fun. Um, let's let's uh, go on to uh, saying uh, not goodbye, but, but so long to, to another legend of the game. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm calling Jose Fernandez a legend of the game. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, he, he is that to me. Um, but Vin Scully uh, called his last home game yesterday. God, it's been an emotional, an emotional fucking two weeks for me, man. Um, Vin, Vin is LA. Vin is the Dodgers. Um, For my parents, he's the Dodgers. For me, he's the Dodgers. Uh, For 67 years, he's been the Dodgers. Um, He's called more than 50% of all Dodger, either Brooklyn or LA games. That's insane, bro. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it was a blessing. I couldn't tell you how much I enjoyed listening to him, whether on the radio, whether on TV, stuck in traffic. It didn't matter. Vin made it better. Um, he painted a picture. He told you a story. He told you five stories in one sentence. He he was a painter. He was a Mozart. He was everything, bro. Vin Scully, not enough words except for the greatest is 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 appropriate. Um. There's a reason everybody wants to say goodbye. There's a reason everybody goes up into, you know, Vin's Vin's press press box and wants a picture, wants a hug, wants a conversation. He's baseball at its finest, man. He's the best announcer that 
we've ever seen in any sport. I I I dare say, and he he changed how it's done. Um, it's so seamless, so kind, so enjoyable, so genuine. The way he got to know the players, the way he got to know background stories, tidbits on people, the way he remembered every little thing. Vince Scully is will never. You know, like Jose Fernandez is, is never going to be replaced and will never be forgotten in baseball lore. Yeah, I, I mean, Scully is widely known, and the, you know, especially to opposing fans too. Is when your team is playing against the Dodgers, if you can get a Dodger, if you can get a Dodger call the game, you want to watch that. Uh, thankfully, that's possible with the MLB Network if you're not blacked out locally. But he, you know, he's he's the best. He just. Everything you said about him telling a story in five sentences or five stories in a single sentence is true. And the fact that he did everything on his own, he didn't have this modern color man and play-by-play construct where he needed an analyst to basically explain every single aspect of the game. The fact that Vince Scully, you know, when when you were taught when he was introducing a baseball game to you, this is a man who had very strong beliefs about a lot of things, but you never had those thrown upon you. All he did was talk the game, right? He he didn't try to pontificate you about anything else he all he wanted to do is describe a baseball game to you and that's exactly what he did and he never he never rooted for the dodgers he never said we he never said us he always said the dodgers he was never a homer um and, I, and, and you know that anybody who watched the team play for that long who left brooklyn with them to go to la obviously wanted the team to do well if you see enough you, you, i mean it would be very masochistic to watch the same team for 67 years and hope that they lose Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, the tribute the players gave him was nice. You know, every batter in his last game when they came up to the plate, you know, gave saluted him, tipped their cap to him. That was very nice. Um, the way Charlie Culberson came up and we battled and, and we won walk-off fashion, of course, right? Why of wouldn't course. Well, we? Why not give him um, that ending? And then he, you know, thanked the players. He had a, a banner made. Thanking them, thanking us. And that's, he never made the fan feel insignificant. He always made us feel like the most important part of the game. And not many do that. Um, For Vin, too, it was a lot of things. You know, it was not just what he said, it was what he didn't say. I mean, when Gibson hit his home run against Eckersley, you know, there was a minute of silence. He let us enjoy that. Everybody got to hear it and feel it. Got to. You know, taste that moment. It's what he did and didn't do. He was perfect and masterful in every stroke he took. Vince Scully was the epitome of professional, the epitome of what an announcer should be. And we're never gonna, we're never gonna get that again. Ever, 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 ever. He is definitely a once in a lifetime, once in a generation, once in an ever type of man. So just a, a quick logistical question. He is still doing the three games in San Francisco, right? Yes. He okay. just stopped calling the home games. Just yeah. last game. No, because. That's um th- that's important, and it segues into the fact that I actually have a real interest in those games because of the fact that uh, you guys are facing off. Yeah, we are. It's the it's the Mets, it's the Cardinals, and it's the Giants. Two for two for three for two spots, all within a game of each other. Uh, the the teams play right now. The the Mets are as mentioned earlier in Florida for three against the for three against the Marlins in Miami. They've lost the first game. Seven to seven to three. The Cardinals are, and then the Mets after after Miami go to Philadelphia, so they're going to be in Philadelphia for the weekend, day off on a Wednesday. Uh, currently sitting a game back are the Giants. They're off tonight, so actually now it's now dropped to a half game with the Mets. So Mets half game front, and then the Cardinals were a game and a half behind the Mets coming into play tonight. The Cardinals are, I think, I'm not sure if they finally lost, but they were getting annihilated by the Reds earlier, which is not a loss that they can afford, but they had four against the Reds and then three against Pittsburgh at home. So seeing the teams that those are playing and the Giants have, I believe Colorado in Colorado at home and the Dodgers at home. Uh, yep. There's uh the only team that really has any sort of true. The Mets have the easiest of the three, be it that Miami has been in a little bit of a tailspin lately, but you don't know what's exactly going to happen there now. Right. And then, and then Philadelphia, who who the Mets uh, soundly, who the Mets played two out of three of against this weekend, and actually, you know, outscored the Jets pretty handily. <laughs> I knew you'd get that in there. A seventeen nothing win against the against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies on Sunday. 
you know, at least some team in New York scored 17 points. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, those, those matchups are – it's tough to tell who has it easiest versus who doesn't because there is – the Giants obviously have the toughest team to play left than the Dodgers, but the Dodgers at this point are basically just going to be getting their starters out there and in, and in rhythm and in a rotation for the division series starting next week. By the right. Way, congrats on clinching. Um, Thank you. But it is the Giants, but so, it, Giants, so it I, will be a strong lineups, and we will be going out there to win those ball games. Yeah. So a, qu- a quick one before before we get into the uh, w- the permutations that this could take. Uh, how do you? What, what do you do? Do you just make sure that the lineup stays sharp, but you don't put anybody in a spot where they take too many bats or can get hurt? Um, I think the guys are going to want to play. I think they're going to want to keep it rolling. Um, Adrian Gonzalez is a horse. He'll play. Uh, we constantly rotate our outfield, so that won't change. We're just going to be rotating. Uh, I could see us possibly resting Seager a game or two um, because that kid is just – Jesus, Jesus. I, I love that boy. Um, that you should. And uh, so uh, aside from Seager getting rest, I could see the rotation. Maybe, you know, Clayton getting pushed back to, to for the, you know, the LDS and, and, and a couple other things like that for sure. I could probably see some call-ups maybe just for some pitchers. Uh, I could probably see that. Uh, but other than that, man, um, I, I expect us to go out there and win those games. Uh, I expect us to go out there hard. I expect Dave Roberts to do the job. He's very professional. He has his team prepared. Uh, and um, it's the Giants, man. <laughs> you know? We don't ever want to lose to the Giants. I don't care what the situation is. We could have won this division by 15 games, and we're going to go out there and try to sweep that. Oh, I mean, trust me, I, I absolutely hope you do, because to be perfectly honest, as a Mets fan, assuming that the Mets can, basically, the way in which, I, if you actually look at these teams' weeks, in reality, none of them can afford to go two and four. Three, yeah. Roughly three and three or four and two. If each of those teams does that, then it gets you into the wacky scenario of all these different tiebreakers. Um, I have read up on every possible tiebreaker, and I cannot for the life of me explain exactly how it works. Good, good, because you were going to give me a headache trying. I know you were. Yeah, I just know that the Mets have a tiebreaker over San Francisco, but they, but because of the fact because they, because the Mets and the Giants played a seven-game season series, and the Mets won that season series. But they played a six-game season series against St. Louis, and that was split three-three. So the tie. So I'm not going to even try to go further because I can't give you that headache. That's that, that's fine. Uh, I mean, based on what I'm seeing and the teams, uh, I really do expect it to be the Cards. To be quite honest, you and the Cards, the Mets and the Cards. The Giants. I, the Giants' tailspin needs to be completed, right? I, I would say so. I mean, it, it, it's only appropriate. As bad as they've been in the second half of the season, they deserve nothing near, um, you know, a playoff position. Because even though they were probably the best team in baseball, or hands down the best team in baseball in the first half, this has been the most catastrophic, you know, down downspin or, or downfall I've ever seen of a baseball team, and I'm so happy that it's them. I, I understand that from, fact, from your point of view. Uh, dropping two to the to – the, um, to the Padres this weekend is certainly not the type of confidence boost you want going into this. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's never good. And the way they lost them has been the story of probably the second half of this season. They just can't keep a lead, man. So I think we actually both kind of agree that that's going to happen just because I could still see it. I, I just see that the Giants have the toughest road left. Uh, Pittsburgh could still put a spanner in the works for, uh, for, I mean, for, for the Cardinals, and the Mets are actually just, uh, you know, they're a mash unit. Uh, I, 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 there's, their pitching has, been, has fallen apart. Uh, even, you know, Bartolo Colon getting hit hard today. Uh, Syndergaard getting scratched with strep throat. DeGrom out for the season. Matt suffering a setback. Uh, Robert, Robert Gesselman and Seth Lugo have been, you know, have done a great job studying on the fourth, but at this point the Mets only have four starters. Which is amazing, considering the depth of starting pitching they started the season with. Right, that right. I mean, the Mets—that's what everybody was ranting and raving about, right? Was the depth in that pitching rotation six deep, this, that, and the third? And now we're seeing that no matter how much pitching you have, man, it's never enough. Um, By the way, just just one aside: if the Mets make the playoffs with the fault with, with having lost Matt Harvey, David Wright, Lucas Duda, Jacob Degrom, uh, Stephen Matz, Neil Walker. Zach and Zach Wheeler, 
uh, off of the season, and then Lucas Duda for four months of it, and Travis Darno for about you know half of it as well. Uh, I, I don't know that even if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, I can't possibly just be disappointed with that because most other teams would fall apart and quit. So I am regardless of what happens, pretty proud of the effort that team's put forward this year. No, they've been scrappy and uh, a lot like the Dodgers. They've been incredibly scrappy and gritty, and it's been nice to see those teams really claw their way into positions where, you know, with the hands dealt, they probably shouldn't be in. But uh, the grittiness, the professionalism, and really I think it's just the team spirit in those clubhouses that really gets uh, gets get, gets them, you know, motivated to win these games. And, and really it's just clutch timing. I think for the Mets, it's really important to get home field, though. Um you want to be at City, you want to have that crowd rocking, especially, I mean, I guess that's 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 it for anybody in this wild card playoff game, right? I mean, play to get in, and, and, and you really want to be home, but you don't want to go to St. Louis, and you don't want to go to San Francisco. Those are two really tough places uh, to play. You don't want the crowd against you, and if you can go into, into I was about to say Shea, into City Field. You, you can still call Shea. Okay, into Shea slash City Field. Uh, you guys, I think, have a, a big leg up. And uh, because I, I think you guys at home, um, I'm not too sure what the record states, but when I watch the when the crowd is into it, you guys are a force at home. And we saw that during the playoffs and then and, and, and during the run into the playoffs last season. Oh, yeah, no, they, they that's actually 100 percent correct. They are a much better home team than a road team right now. Uh, yeah. And, and to be perfectly honest, the, uh, you are going to be running into a buzzsaw in the first round of the playoffs because you are going to be running into the Cubs, which who for, for whichever team wins that wild card, you know. Stakes are high, and that's going to be tough. Uh, I actually think that the team that might be actually best positioned to dethrone them, though, is the Giants. And why so? Why why, why, why do you think that? Uh, I mean, it, uh, it's all health-dependent on Johnny Cueto. Okay. But I think that considering right now that the Cardinals pitching is, you know, Carlos Martinez and, you know, a prayer. The Mets <laughs> and four others. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, it'll be three other guys because it's a five-game series, but right. Uh, and then the Mets pitching is Cindergard, Cologne, and then two guys who, you know, and I can never give enough credit co- credit to Mets pitching coach Dan Worthen because he is he, he's great. I mean, every, it seems like every single starting pitcher that the Mets bring up like learns this devastating slider and just uh, you know becomes unreal because Lugo and Gesselman have been great at the back end of the rotation right now. Uh, they're, they're legitimately two guys who are holding the Mets into this race. But uh, I still think that Bumgarner and Cueto, you can get those two to pitch, especially considering the fact that Bumgarner seems to be made of made of steel and iron. You can uh, you can get those guys to pitch th- you know, four out of your five games. You just need to cobble together one more start. Yeah, no, I can see that. And uh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, really, the, the Cubs, they by far have been the best team in baseball. They've been very... Uh, thorough in their dominating of the uh, National League Central, which is always, which has been a tough division over the last few seasons. And, and I mean, Pittsburgh's still a tough team. The Cardinals are a tough team. Uh, I think they're going to be a handful for anybody. But uh, like you said, I think the Giants and the Mets, I, I do like the Mets still. I do. It's the grittiness. I, I, you guys are fighters, man. And, and you can never, you can't, you can't count that out. I, I can't say the same about the Giants. Even if the Giants get in, you could, you could line up whatever pitchers you want, but they're not going to, you know, you're hoping on nine innings from the. You're hoping for a complete game because that bullpen is trash. Oh, the, the bullpen's trash. And another thing that you and I haven't spoken enough about this season is what the hell happened to Buster Posey? I mean, I mean, it's good, right? I, I, is it? I, I like when it I, mean, sucks. I, I it like sucks. I like when the game superstars produce. No, look, me as a Dodger fan, I revere Buster Posey. Um, I respect. I respect him. Tremendously, actually, um, you know, all banter aside, I really do do like him, and I, I, uh, I just think there's, you know, a lot falls on him. He has the the staff, and 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 to be honest, I just don't think he's healthy, man. Something is not right with Buster Posey, and uh, and that team is gonna go as Buster Posey goes. Buster Posey, Madison Bumgarner, and if you don't have a bullpen, you're trash. That's that's been proven in baseball. You need a bullpen. We've we've seen that over the last few years, especially that bullpen gets you deep into the playoffs and and potentially wins your rings. So, it, it, you know, Royals ring last year. That's what I'm saying. So for me, I don't know. I, I think I think it, he has to not be healthy or not at a hundred percent. I can. You know, they're, they're humans, obviously, so I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I don't know anything else. But from what I can see, he's not 
he's not getting his hands through. I feel like I feel like something's wrong with his swing. It's not as fluid as it as I've seen in the last couple of seasons. He's not catching up on the fastball as well as as well as we've seen. I just don't think he's healthy, man. To be quite honest. I mean, he went 184 at bats without homering. That's for for a player like him. That's actually just unacceptable. Right, especially when you know that team relies so much on you. You know what I mean? Like you said, for a player like him of that stature, of that standing in that lineup. You know, that's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, because they've done a nice job of actually putting uh, good complementary players around him. Like, you know, Angel Pagan is a decent player. Brandon Crawford is, you know, he's, he's been hurt and banged up, but he's a very good player. Uh, definitely the Crawford not having the pop he had last year. This entire team doesn't have the pop it had last year. But Crawford not having the pop he had last year. Hunter Pence being in and out of the lineup. They've had some bad. They've had a bad run of luck with injuries, and they've also had a bad run of luck with just not playing well. And then another question, actually, you brought up Hunter Pence. What's what happened to his defense? You know what? I think age. I think he he is. If you look at the way he's played the game his entire career, yeah, hard nose. Yeah, for sure. So, Too hard, probably. Probably, yeah. He's he's just put his body through hell. Yeah, I can see that, but because this season I've been so surprised with how poor he's been on in the field. I think he, I, I think he actually just spent way too much time with Shane Victorino and took on every single one of Shane Victorino's characteristics. That's never good. That's never good. No, no, it's not. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna switch gears now over to the the uh, the junior circuit, the American League. Uh, there you have not quite as tight a race because of the fact that there are two clear favorites, which are going to be Toronto and Baltimore. Uh, Toronto has a three-game lead over over third-place Detroit, so effectively, if Toronto wins two games, they'll, they'll, prob- they'll, they'll probably clinch, they'll, and they'll probably have home field in, in the wildcard game. And then Baltimore is a game and a half up over Detroit, two and a half up over Seattle, and Two, and I think two and a half up over Houston. So the real question is, does anybody have a question? Does anybody have a chance of catching Toronto, which would only be Baltimore, would be a home field advantage situation. And then can Detroit catch Baltimore and are Houston and Seattle, you know, in the dust in this race? Dead, dead. They are dead. Uh, Houston and Seattle, I uh, especially Seattle. I'm really proud of the, the the way they played this season. I didn't expect much from them, and they really came out and, and and performed way better than I expected. I think Houston was a little bit of a disappointment for me. They started off so slowly, and uh, if they could have had any kind of lukewarm start, they would have you know been in much better position. So it was a little disappointing uh, to see how Houston came out of the gates. Um, to answer your question as far as Toronto being caught, I don't think so. I think Toronto, like you said, just a couple of wins will get them the division. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, we'll get them the wild card and they're, they're a really good, you know, baseball team. I, I like, you know, them in Baltimore are very, they're like splitting images. You know what I mean? They, they, they hit the ball deep and, and that's basically how they win their games. Um, I like, I do like Toronto's pitching a lot more than I like Baltimore's. And the cats them for the first spot. I think they'll have, I think they'll have the first, uh, the home field, but I think Baltimore is also going to get there. And I think Baltimore, home field or not, I, I like Baltimore better. I just don't think they're, they have enough time to catch them for the for home field. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree. Um, Detroit just hasn't had the consistency in starting pitching all season to, to really do much. And that's even with Justin Verlander being resurgent. Uh, they've had some bad luck in the in the injury department with Jordan Zimmerman getting. You know, he, they gave him big money at the offseason, and for most of the season, he really looked like he earned it. Hit a little bit of a wobble, and then also had you know some in, some some minor nagging injury issues. But the rest of the rotation, I mean, Annabelle Sanchez was making big was making significant starts for them, and that's probably not what you want at this point in the season, especially considering the fact that Anibal Sanchez has been a below major league caliber starter for probably the last two or three years. Yeah, he's, he's been pretty bad. Um, I just don't think Detroit, if they make it, uh, which I I highly doubt they will. I I don't, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Just not going to go deep into that playoffs. You know, they're not, they don't have a team deep enough. They don't have a rotation deep enough. Like you said, Um, I think Baltimore is an exciting baseball team. And if you can hit and you can stay hot, I know pitching wins you championships and whatnot, but it'll be exciting and it can get you a good little run. Um, 
And, and to be honest, I like the rivalry between Baltimore and Toronto. I think that game is going to be buzzing. I think that game is going to be very exciting. Uh, probably, I hate to say it, I know that you have, you know, a, a horse in the race in the National League, but I, I, I think the play-in game in the American League is going to be more exciting. I, I think so, too, just because I think both those teams are better. Uh, the American League East has been the best division in baseball this season. I mean, the fourth-place team is still going to finish over 500, which is the Yanks. Uh, but effectively, you're looking at a Red Sox team that's going to be there about – I mean, realistically, this Toronto or Baltimore team that's going to get through to the wild card presumptively is going to have to play against either Texas or Boston. And I think Boston's a more intriguing series there just because of the fact that it's, you know, you, you, you have a division rivalry. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to add a little, a little oomph to that, uh, to that matchup. Do you know what's kind of amazing that I'm just, I just have, I have the standings in front of me. It's a total aside. Uh, I don't, and I don't know how much you buy into it or not as a run in run difference is the indicator of a team strength. Overall, the Texas uh-huh. Rangers are 92 and 65. Their run difference is plus six. That is hysterical, actually. Uh, I, You'd expect that to be a much larger number. Yeah, so if you look at the other teams that are leading their divisions, the Red Sox are plus 192. <laughs> you said plus six. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland is plus 107. I mean, if you even look in their divi- look at the Rangers division, Seattle plus fifty three, the the Strohs plus thirty eight, the Rangers are plus six. Their record in one run games must be absurd. The Nats are plus one forty nine in the NL East. The Cubs are plus two fifty in the that's Central. Ridiculous. The Cubs are one hundred and fifty six right now. That's if they don't win the World Series, then if, if you're a Chicago Cubs fan, like find a new. You're sport. never. Yeah, you're never gonna do it. The Dodgers are plus one hundred and four. Plus six. Wow, dude, that's so I'm shocked actually. I don't really know how to respond to that. That that I mean, obviously their pitching is trash. Yeah. Right? Because they score enough runs to win that it's the Texas Rangers. That's that's their their bread and butter scoring run. Seven forty three against seven thirty seven. God, seven that is so bad. Yeah. I don't I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know, man. I that that is a shocking stat. Um but if you're a Rangers fan, I'd be worried for the postseason then. Yeah, I would too. It's just right now that the Rangers also do kind of come across like last year's Royals, only instead of beating you in singles, they bludgeon you to death with home runs, just seemingly always when they're behind. Yeah, but we've seen this from the Rangers before. We've seen this. We've seen them capitulate in Toronto. We've seen them fall apart in the postseason. So it's hard for me to have much confidence in the Rangers, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's very hard for me too. Also, just because of the fact that Arlington is the second most hitter-friendly park in the in the majors, I think, outside Colorado, it has to be right. I don't know, man. Great American Small Park is pretty 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 yeah, small. That is a it's small a bandbox. Yeah, Jay Bruce has hit a lot of home runs there. Yeah, they suckered you there. Should know. <laughs> I do better. I wouldn't have made that trade. You're right. You're right. I remember you were so mad, and you're still mad. I'm still mad. He's not very Brian, good. He he misplayed. He misplayed. If you misplay a ball into Justin Bohr, uh hitting a triple against you, if anybody doesn't know, Justin Bohr is a first baseman for the Florida Marlins and Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins, whatever you want to call them, and he does not run well. That is that is me putting it very nicely. He does not run well. You are so polite. Yeah. So polite. So another thing I want to ask you about the American League, the Cleveland Indians today, Corey Kluber goes down with a groin injury. You've already got Carlos Carrasco on the DL and Danny Salazar. Are they toast? If I mean, that's your one, two, and three starters, and they're all very good pitchers, actually. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, like you said, uh, Salazar coming back is big. So, you know, Cleveland, that rotation – can get them very deep into these playoffs. I think last year you and me both were very disappointed with Cleveland. Um, we thought we thought they were going to do better, um, and we probably they, they probably should have done better. So I, I'm all in on Cleveland. I don't think they'll. It's hard for me to say they'll make the series, but if I had to pick a horse in the American League race, um, that pitching staff is probably the best one. Yeah, assuming they're all healthy, that's the way I'd want to go. Uh, 
as of this exact moment, but before we see any of the matchups, and we're going to preview the matchups in the at least the division series next week. Um, as of this exact moment, you asked me a gut check. I'm going with the hottest team, which is which is Boston. Yeah, I mean, Boston, <laughs> they've been a team that you expect them to just cool off, and they just don't go away, man. They yeah. just don't go away. They can bludgeon you. They score oh. a lot of runs. For a team that still pitches Clay Buckholtz to be that good, it says everything about their offensive ability. I'm just telling you, he's going to hit his potential at some point in his career. Yeah, yeah, his potential at the age of 47. I mean, there, there's a guy who I, I, I just don't know how how you could farce. tolerate living with him as a pitch as a starter. It's a farce, my man. Yeah, he's 32 and he's still got giving you 100, 200 innings in a full season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Well, I think we covered the the, the wild card races. I, I, I think we should touch on. I think we did awards last last week, and we screwed up and didn't do rookies. Yes, because you didn't prepare for managers, and that just threw me off. I, I know. Uh, that's, that, that's <laughs> so, give me your rookies of the years, man. We'll go with the. Okay, first off, I want to ask you a serious question: Gary Sanchez, should he be in consideration? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, I'm gonna say no. You know why? Because the reality. The whole thing is, like, if you look at a lot of these awards in baseball, they tend to be pretty stat-driven. Yeah. It's but the, the, biggest stat for me, the biggest stat for me is a third of the games, games played. played. I know. And it, it, it's, it's a tough one. It's just I look at the stats in these games that he did play, and they're just so far ahead of everybody else who qualifies as a rookie. And he's not even showing signs of slowing down is what's insane, right? I get it. I get that the... the I get the buzz. I, I get everything about him. He's phenomenal. I, I, I think he's if he could keep this up, he's the greatest baseball player of all time. We've mentioned this a few times now. Um, I just think that Gary Sanchez is he hasn't played enough, but ultimately his 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 uh, eligibility for next year is already out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's once you get to 130 at bats, you're no longer considered a rookie. But I mean, look at who, look at who else you have is basically in the AL. It's not very deep as far as who would be your American League Rookie of the Year. Right. The only other person I could really point at, Michael Fulmer. Yeah, that's that's who I was going to say. I get it. That's what makes the Gary Sanchez argument even that much more compelling is that there's no clear cut favor here. Right. And, and, and the excitement that he brings to the game and actually to just the the, you know, the, the casual baseball fan has been immense. So, yeah, what he's doing for the game and is great and everything. I just feel like I'd like to see a larger sample size, even though we, we haven't seen him struggle. You know what I mean? Every player has a struggle, and every rookie you see them struggle, except Corey Seager, obviously. Uh, and this guy just, just he hasn't yet. He hasn't sputtered, and I just, I would like to see how he handles that. I know his numbers are phenomenal. You can't argue against them. I just would like to see more games. I think 50, 53 to sixty games isn't enough for me. Okay, so if that's not enough for you, you, you think Fulmer is the guy? Well, I, I, yeah, I'd give it to Fulmer. Yeah, that's who I'd give it to. Um, because there's no clear favorites, and he's probably been, you know, he's been very good, and and he's he he's been a key piece to why the, the Tigers are even relevant. So yeah, I give it to Fulmer. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that. I, I personally, I would choose Sanchez just because of the fact that if I look at Fulmer, you know, it, the numbers are the numbers are very good on Fulmer, but, but if you start to look at the peripherals, they're not dominant. They are just very good, which shouldn't be a knock on a rookie pitcher and. You know, certainly one of the rare instances of a regionally mutual beneficial trade is the one that landed Michael Fulmer in Detroit. He is the player who went over from the Mets in the ON assessment trade. There you go. Yeah. There you which, go. Which leads me to believe that if you're going to make a trade with a team for a pitcher, trade with the Mets for minor league pitcher. No, I would, I would absolutely do that. Their scouting network is uh... – off the charts, and they clearly know what they're doing. Yeah, with pitchers. Position players can't develop. Pitchers can. But uh, I would say him, because the only other guy that comes to mind besides Sanchez and Filmer is Tyler Nakin. And if, once you start going down the line with Tyler Nakin, you can start looking at the whole at-bats question with Sanchez. Yeah. And Sanchez did more and fewer at-bats than Nakin. Right, exactly. No, I agree with that. So, yeah, I guess it would be Fulmer, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Gary Sanchez, bro. I wouldn't. Yeah, he, I just... carried, he carried the Yankees into that into the, into the playoff race, granted late, and they were very far behind. But because of him, they're not going to see that consecutive – they might not see that consecutive uh, 
seasons with a winning record uh, disappear. Snap, yeah. That, and that, that's big. That's big for the Yankees. Um, it's going on 20-something years. Yeah, yeah. I know that, that, that hurts your soul to say, but I know. Uh, but National League, I mean, not, I can let you. Not, I can re, let, it's I can not let really you, a question. I can let you talk about him. It, it's, it's easily Corey Seager. Easily. If, if you think otherwise, um, you, you're, you're not understanding the concept of value to a, of a player to his team. He's all Dodger rookie records with doubles uh, already, extra base hits. Um, he's 22 homers. Corey Seager is phenomenal. His clutch gene is great. Uh, he looks like he's been in the majors for 15 years, bro. Yeah. I mean, he has a perfect feel for everything. Uh, he's, you know, he had a slight moment with him, which he cooled down, but he recovered from it. Teams were pitching him very tough at the beginning of the season based off of what he did last season. And he adjusted to it. Like his start to the season was a little rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think he had a lot of expectations. You know what I mean? He had a good um, end to the last season, little playoff run and stuff. And and we saw glimpses of the player he was. But I think coming in full full season, I mean, we plugged him in, you know, into the heart of the lineup early on. And 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 then yeah, he struggled a little bit. But I think what Dave Roberts has done with him and the majority of our young players has been phenomenal. So um, he he's just taken his time with him and, and put his arm around him and gave him confidence. And, and Corey Seager is just running with it. Corey Seager hopefully um, can be the face of this franchise for a long, 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 long time, positionally-wise. Yeah. And on a similar token, there were some other, you know, there are some other honorable mentions at this point we should probably give. Um, Trevor Story being an honorable mention. Yes, absolutely. If he would, did, wouldn't have gotten injured, he would be in this conversation still, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was he was hitting for incredible power. He's the exact opposite of Seager, where he had a scorching start, but couldn't keep it up. But nonetheless, it was an absolute scorch. I mean, you're you're not going to see a guy who had a better first two weeks in the majors than Trevor Story in a while, except for the fact that in the middle of me saying that, I also just remember Gary Sanchez. <laughs> oh, there you go, myth busted already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Myth yeah, see, there you go. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, aside from that, Diaz from the Cardinals, I thought had a yeah, good I'll start. Yeah, so. great season. But I mean, I don't, uh, you know. So, so, so there's some players out here. Kenta Maeda for the Dodgers was really good. Um, he was. I thought he was. Steven Matz was great until he went down. There you go. I think that those guys that could be considered as well, but. I, it just is no competition in the National League. It's it's Seager. Seager is in the MVP conversation for God's exactly. sake. So exactly, you know, we might see him. I, I you know, Chris Bryant's going to probably take the award. It's yeah, and, and it's, right, right, rightfully so. I mean, Chris Bryant, best player. I mean, you know, most dominant offensive player for the best team in baseball. It makes sense, right? And then just he's so much fun to watch as well. Uh, but Corey Seager, hands down, Rookie of the Year the best young positional player the Dodgers have had in a long time, especially, you know, in that shortstop position, we've been needing somebody to fill that gap for a long time. And, and we got ourselves a good one. Yeah. So um, I think that, I think that brings us to, to the end of this week's seventh inning stretch uh, from Armando and I just want to say th- thanks for listening. This will be uh, out to, this is being recorded on Monday night. Uh, so if you're listening to this on all in sports, this is recorded yesterday. And uh, if you're listening to this on Anfield Index, this was recorded on Monday night. Uh, and I think just, you know, from Armando and myself, we just want to say rest in peace, Jose. Descanse en paso, Cecito. Thanks, guys. Bye. Oh, and one to Charlie. Swung on a high fly ball to deep left field to Dodger Ben Fentes. If you believe a home run, and the Dodgers have clinched the division and will celebrate on schedule. Dodgers, Charlie Calderson, a game-winning home run. What a moment to have it. And would you believe his first home run of the year?
So the Dodgers did what they hoped to do. It was a struggle, but they won it on their own merit, 4-3. The last home run that Charlie Culberson hit would be two years ago in 2014 against Cincinnati. So the Dodgers, for the fourth straight year, have won the National League division title in the West. And what a guy to do it. Charlie Culberson, after dramatic triple and a home run by Seager to keep them alive. So now they don't care about the Padres and the Giants. Care not at all. And boy, did it work out perfectly for the final home game of the regular season. They have a lot of work to do for sure. Still ahead of them. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.